Welcome to Bound by Books. On today's special episode, we have the best clips of 2022. Join us as we look back on a year of fun and good times. First up, how to use TikTok for authors. Sure. You post it. You For yeah. sure. I, I love batch recording, again, especially when you're seeing me in the, in the new curated room, which is kind of a joke because like I have never once done my makeup for for uh, TikTok at all. <laughs> That's why I have that that hearts filter that now when I don't use it, people are like, um, excuse me, where Who are, are you? Floating hearts. Who, Who are, are you? you? <laughs> what are you gonna do when they get rid of that filter? I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to like change my entire brand around. People are like, wait. I've had people in person be like, oh, where are your purple? Where are your pink where hearts? Are you, yeah, where are your pink hearts? I'm like, you know that I don't actually have pink hearts floating above my head, right? I mean, if that was a thing, I would totally go down for it. But like, I'm but a you know that was being. a smart that was a smart <laughs> thing for you to do because it's it's associated people with that now. So you're yeah. you're the pink heart lady, you know. I'm the pink hearts floating pink hearts lady. Although it's really funny when somebody else uses the filter. People get weird about it. They're like, um, that's, that's not Tina. I'm you're like, copying. I was like, anybody can use the pink heart. Calm down, people. It's not that serious. It's very funny, though. People get weird about that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Just went on a little little side road. Um, well, but yeah, I, mean, I do batch record. <laughs> Yeah, I'll so just randomly post though. I, yeah. I like I said, if it, if a thought comes to me and I pick up my phone, I'm like, Whoop, there we go. So you're not like, you know, it's twelve o'clock on a Saturday. I need to post. It's it's just yeah. a oh, I haven't posted a TikTok today. Crap. And then you just yeah. pull something out of your drafts and and yeah. go from. Yeah, I mean, I think that that especially if you're you know a, a, a full time worker or you know you've got kids running around, you've got to you gotta record a bunch when you have mm -hmm. a moment of quiet when you know you've got a t-shirt on that isn't stained or you know whatever next we have hostage deadlines and writing resolutions but no i i sometimes will in the same day because i don't do a word count uh goal because that stresses me out i will do a chapter goal a day so it'll it'll be whatever the chapter goal is and again if that doesn't get done yes it gets moved over but i also will plan in like a, a, a day or two in each month as like catch up if I completely get overwhelmed so that I know that I've got a buffer to, to catch up on that chapter that I didn't get done. And if there's nothing that day, I have a day off, you know, so it's yeah. a built in day off. But the only time that I'll work on two projects in the same time is if say I'm writing the first draft of something, I know that that first draft is going to take me way a lot of time. That's going to take probably the bulk of my day, but a fourth draft of another book, I'm just looking for like typos, formatting issues. I'm not like, I'm not changing the plot significantly there. I'm just, I'm looking for just doing a quick scan so I can do that much quicker. And it's, I can flip to that brain quick enough. Cause I know that don't mess with the details at this point. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know? I, I hear you on that. But usually, on yeah, that. it's usually it's one project a day um, for sure. Yeah. yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't, I mean, I, I mean, I, I can't say you can't because I'm sure there are some prolific um, yeah, minds who, yeah. who can compartmentalize down to the small minutiae where they can do that. But I can't, yeah. my characters in my head are greedy and selfish. They're toddlers. Yeah. Yeah. They're running yeah. around going, me, me, pay attention to me, you know, and I, I need to, I need to put them in timeout when yeah. I'm writing the other one or put them all in a room with a nanny. So, okay, <laughs> you can talk to her, you know. Right. 
So yeah. But, so in a in a seven day week, I could have two books that I'm probably working on. So three days a week, I'll work on something, and then two days a week, I'll work on something else. One day I'll take off, yeah. and then one day I dedicate to just marketing stuff that I. Do. Now for a look into Kindle Lund Limited versus Wide Book Publishing. There's a lot of there's a lot of moving pieces that have to be examined. There really is because there's there's really not a one size fit all. And I will agree that if you are doing a rapid release, KU is um, KU becomes more appealing. We'll we'll say that because they they do tend it does tend to lend itself more to that rapid release format than whereas wide is a little more. Um, and again, I think it's because wide also encompasses the traditional publish publishers mm -hmm. because there is no traditional publisher that I'm aware of, of the top five of the big five that only publishes on no, Amazon. No, no, no. They um. all publish wide. And therefore I think the wide readers, readers who do read on Apple and Kobo and Nook, they're used to that slower publish schedule because of those traditional publishers. So they're not expecting a new book every other month. Whereas rapid release is way more of a kind of a KU Amazon thing. Um, and so, and I'm not saying you don't find it in on wide books, but it's rarer on on wide books. Um, most most of the authors that I know that are doing rapid release are doing it um, in KU. Yeah, but I, are, you know, <clears throat> I was going to say though that um, the other problem with KU, like I said, it's double edged sword. Mm -hmm. um, you know, catch twenty two is that whereas somebody buys a book, they buy a paperback. Um, whether they buy it from you know from Barnes and Noble, or they buy it from Apple, or they buy it from Amazon, you can return that book. You know, mm -hmm. the problem with KU though is that people are people are um, you know they download the the, the 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 plus with KU is that they don't you know they're not returning the book. It's they mm -hmm. download it, they read the pages, you get paid for those pages. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas. Right. You know, a, a lot of these other companies, especially Amazon, will allow somebody to read an mm -hmm. entire book and then return it, return an it. entire ebook and then return it. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know, if they can calculate how many pages they've read in an ebook in KU to determine how many pages you're going to get paid for, then they know how many pages have been read in a book that is on their Kindle. Because a Kindle mm -hmm. is, even though you pay for the book, it's still linked. It's not yours. You know, it's digital. It's it's out in the it's out in the ephemera. It's it's mm -hmm. out in the ethereal. You know what I mean? So KU can just wipe your shelf clean. You know, it's not like having, you know, an actual paperback right. in your hand that is it's physical. If they can't come on your door, knock on your door, ring it and then confiscate your books. They can confiscate your they can confiscate your your mm. your virtual bookshelf anytime they want if you violate terms of service or what have you. But one of the things they do allow is they do allow serial readers, you know, to return serially books. return books. And yeah. so they're in, in effect using Amazon like a library. And, right. you know, so that is something that they need to address as well for us, for us authors, you know. Time to define morally gray characters. Like me! <laughs> <laughs> well, how would you describe what a morally gray character is? 
I actually think that morally gray characters are probably the most human. Because if you think about like our classic hero or our classic villain, it's very black and white thinking, very all or nothing mentality. So it's usually in the hero's journey story, it's a very good, upstanding, chosen one, usually from a uh, disenfranchised background or poverty or some. They're not usually the, the, the character that's going to be automatically the hero out of the gate. They've come from nothing, essentially, and rise in terms of being a hero. But they're usually always good. Right, they, we're talking about classic. At their core, yes, they're, yeah. they're they might do things that you might not agree with. <laughs> that might be questionable, questioning either ethically or legally or spiritually, whatever. It might be on the sort of a line, but ultimately, they are they are good. decent people. Right, they're all good. Core. Or you have the on the flip side of that again, the true classic hero model. Uh, the all powerful, all strong, all encompassing, just true good guy. Like not gonna do any wrong type thing, right? There's kind of two Captain America. Yeah, but they're very That's very black and white thinking. Right. This is right. it must right. always be this way for this right. is the only good way, right? This is the Or a very two dimensional villain. Yes. Be it's all this, you know, it's so the yeah, gray all is bad. sort of mm-hmm. in in the in the middle there. There's some good there's some bad. It's exactly. <laughs> and I think when I think of classic, like, moral gray characters that I could draw from it, and again, use this as an analogy because that's my favorite thing, Spike from Buffy. Spike from <laughs> Buffy there is my go. ultimate morally gray. And some people will there say Angel to an extent, and Angel just comes off as too good to me. He's just so good. He's just so good. He's so good all the time. Spike is not. Right. <laughs> Spike is very, very morally gray. Right. Um, and, and for those not familiar with the show... A morally great character, again, is going to either do the wrong thing for the right reasons or the right thing for the wrong reasons. There is no black and white thinking. There is no this is this is the only way, this is the righteous path, or this is all evil and this is bad intentions. And usually um, morally great characters are very appealing because they are so three-dimensional, because we... We, there's a part of us that can understand where they're coming from, especially if the writing is good. Right. A- another good example might be Lucifer. Mm-hmm. The literal devil. <laughs> it was supposed is to be. a morally great character. <laughs> because right. sometimes you agree with it. <laughs> An interview with special guest author, Sherilyn Kenyon McQueen. So it's why. <laughs> Yeah, the, the internet was still in its infancy. Well, not the internet, but the web was still in its infancy. You know, so you took a lot of flack back then. I mean, it wasn't considered being published. You know, the authors who were doing it were ridiculed and mocked. And I remember sitting down. Oh God, I want to say it probably was around 2006 when Kindle first came out, and Matthew Shear, who's since passed, but I remember him. And I'm, I'm like Matthew. You know, you got to prepare for this. It's coming. Ebooks are coming. They're, they've been around. They're not going anywhere. And he made the comment, that's such a little bitty portion of ourselves. Why should we even bother worrying about that? Okay. Well, today, you know, it's like, yeah, guys, y- y'all, y'all did not prepare yourselves for this day, which I'm glad to see because, you know, like my son's an author. He now has options that we didn't have back in the day. You know, it was traditional or nothing. And, 
you sold away your your baby, your soul to those contracts, and now they won't release them. So, yeah, you know, but the hardest thing today really is just finding the time. You know, back then I didn't have to check Facebook. I didn't have to worry about making TikTok videos. I didn't have to worry about Instagram. I could focus on writing, and it was so wonderful. You know, the only time that I had to do social media was my mailbox. (laughs) And I remember getting bucket loads. And uh, somewhere I think you can still find pictures where, I mean, it'd be like a four or five foot tall stack of letters, actual letters that you'd have to handwrite them back out, which took time too. But you could kind of, you know, I'd do it when my kids were doing sports or, you know, um, getting my hair done. Those kinds of things is when I would answer them all. So, you know, but the bad thing is you didn't get to interact with the fans like you do today. So it's kind of just a, a give and take. Yeah. A little touch of spice with foreplay, consent, and writing sex. Okay, so that, that brings up a really good kind of dichotomy as to the classifications of different subgenres of romance when it comes to steam level. Mm-hmm. To me, when I'm reading, I'm thinking, you know, sweet, obviously, like I said, I'm, I'm not expecting anything beyond right. some hand-holding and maybe a kiss or two, but it's definitely focused on the relationship and the outside events that are happening that the characters are dealing with, right. uh, that kind of usually propel the relationship forward. They're, they're tackling some sort of a, uh, an obstacle. Um, and you know, that's for helping to propel the relationship. Um, steamy, like I said, I I think of that more as a sensual thing. Do would you agree? Um, I think some writers who are thinking about steamy might think, Oh, there, there, there's going to be at least a sexy with steamy. For me, that's what steamy yes. is to me. That there's at least one right. sexy. It's I not, would like, say it's not yes. the main part of the story, but we definitely. But I also don't think it's explicit. It's not it explicit either. No, I don't think it needs no, to be. But I, I think I there's would, definitely sexual tension that yeah. involved. Oh yeah, definitely sexual tension. And I would I would say yes, there there can be sex on the page, but mm-hmm. I would view steamy as more in a as what we would call an emotional. Mm-hmm. sex scene versus an explicit sex scene huh. like it's you know more of a they you know the emotional connection and them coming together physically for you know as a culmination of their emotional feelings huh. versus the focus on this the actual physical act right right so then right. then the difference then for you, what would the difference then for you be between a, a spicy book mm-hmm. versus an erotic book? Now, for me, a spicy book would be multiple sex scenes, but we still have a good, we could still have a good plot involved. Where for me, erotic, yeah. uh, erotic is more, the sex is more the front burner and the plot is sort of the back burner. But how do you define it? So for me, spicy is pretty much, I would qualify as the same as a steamy, except the sex scenes are more graphic. So whereas the steamy is more of an emotional sex scene, and you you have no more than three of them in in a book. But your 
you're definitely going to be focusing more on the emotion, the touches, this and that, and the other versus, you know, the mechanics put, of that. <laughs> he the put mechanics. <laughs> Talking about building your author brand. I don't think I could ever write a book that was nothing but fluff. Um, <laughs> I just, my brain doesn't work that way. But at the same time, being a New Yorker, you know, snarky humor is kind of second nature to us. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You're as much a New Yorker as I am. So, <laughs> so, so true. yeah. So, and like, show me, show, like, do, can you put up a, a one of yours so people can see mm -hmm. yours? Yeah, I will put it on, uh, I'll pop it on the screen in, in editing so that you guys can see what I'm talking about. So here, let's move to, we talked a little bit about fonts and specifically in your author name. Now, of course, fonts on the title should also be reflective of the genre and the themes that you'll find. And you'll notice in mine here in my sci-fi series, um, I'll pop Aliens Captive and Aliens Made on the screen. Again, I went with that very like Stark-esque um, quality to the font for Aliens, which is all straight edged, although I did make it gold and pretty and sparkly because space. Um, and then the second thing, uh, this is also, again, what my artist did, but we talked about it, is to have that more looping font, something more romantic, something more fun, and of course, a little bit quirky. Because my branding, again, when I switched from uh, darker paranormal romance into sci-fi was to lighten everything up, right? All of my color schemes had been dark. If you looked at my old author photo, it was me in my 20s with my arms crossed, looking serious in a leather jacket and very New Yorker. Um, where I said, okay, this is this is not me anymore. Today I have my hair up in little uh, pigtails on the top. I usually wear space buns to conventions. My colors now are much brighter. They're pink and yellow and purple and also spacey themed to reflect this switch from, from darker to a more quirky uh, branding that I wanted to do. So when you're branding, not only are you branding your book covers, you're also branding yourself, your brand, it's your author brand. So when I present to my reader, I wanted to make sure that everything that I was putting out is in align with that. So anytime that I'm putting out um, a video on TikTok or anytime I'm putting out a post, I want to keep the same feeling to it. I want to make sure that I'm expressing myself in a way that's very true to myself, but is also a very specific cultivated side of that truth. Because at the same time that you're a whole person, you're also presenting as a brand. We ask writing myths, are they true? And this is, this is a, a personal pet peeve. You have to outline your story before you start writing. And again, as I said earlier, I am a pantser. I am a 100% total pantser. I have the story I'm writing right now. I have no clue. I'm about 30,000 words into it. I have no idea what's going to happen to chapters from now, let alone what's going to happen at the end. I never do. I, but that's just my process. But yes. I have had so so many, so many other writers, specifically some author tubers on YouTube who have said that basically you're not a writer if you don't outline. Hmm. And that is such a myth. That is such a myth. Yeah. You do not have to outline. <laughs> I think that goes back to the first thing we were talking mm -hmm. about. Is if your brain doesn't work that way, your brain doesn't work that way. 
I started out as a pantser, but for me, what I found out is that I extensively plot. I'll plot a whole series and then the books within the series so that I have my character arc and my story arc. And then that that's going to allow me, though, to sit down and write in those big chunks and walk away. I don't have to think of the plot as I'm writing like you do. Mm-hmm. I know where I'm going with mm-hmm. the story. But that's the way my brain works. Right. It doesn't mean that other people can do a good job or can't do a good job if they mm-hmm. don't plot. So I, I don't think you absolutely have to. I only think you have to if your brain works that way. Yeah, you really, I will say one of the most challenging parts of being a writer um, and doing it professionally, actually publishing and, and everything, not just for fun, is learning your process and embracing it. It doesn't yes. matter what it is. Mm-hmm. If it, If you are, I mean, I have met writers who are, They are hardcore outliners. Now for keeping track of your story details. The, my, I think one of the things, uh, you know, you had, you had asked me a question, uh, 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 you know, a, a little bit back about um, losing sight of details, you know, and, and, and regardless of, of your planning strategies and so forth. And, I'm celebrate. I lose track of details all the time. Oh, okay. I, you know, and and it's it's something that you know it, we were talking about uh, at one point the difference between arc teams and beta readers and yeah. you know and and um, you know <clears throat> alpha readers and so forth. And this is one of the things that's really important about having them Absolutely. is because if you are a, if you especially if you're writing more than one book at a time, which you and I both do, yeah. or if you're writing books one right after the other, like I just did, you know, mm-hmm. I just wrote three books from April 1st until, until June, uh, June 18th, yeah. three books done. It, Boom, it gets done. messy in the head. And not in little here. books either. You know? it, gets, it gets very yeah. messy. <laughs> yes, it does. It gets messy up in the brain and the brain meets. Um, so that's what, you know, you can lose track of where, and more importantly is, if you're if you're if there's so much going on inside your head, you're gonna have crossover whether you want it or oh, not. Yeah. So oh, this absolutely. isn't something like you know where you're like, oh my god, I, that book was in first person and now I'm writing in third person. So why oh, are my tenses all messed up? That's the you worst. Know? And no, 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 no. That's not her name. That's not her name. Her name is exactly. not Zoe. Zoe was and that's not, that's not her fatal flaw, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's you know losing losing sight of of, yeah. of details in your yeah. story. It doesn't make you a bad writer. It just no. makes you uber creative because that's what we do. Time for mental health tips for authors. Why not? And so I guess my my other point to yours, you're, you're saying you know making sure that you're going out and you're 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 doing things with other people. I would I would say you know for the introverts that are like, um, <laughs> I would counter that with at least get outside. If you can't yeah. feel like you can people, at least get outside. And I have to say this as somebody who does not enjoy nature. Nature <laughs> is always trying to kill me. I, the second I step outside, bugs are dive bombing me. Ragweed is making my eyes itch. And just nature does not enjoy me being out there. And I don't enjoy it. But I force myself mm. to get out there because I know it's good for my mental health. To be outside and breathing mm-hmm. fresh air. Gotta get that vitamin D in. I, I, must I? Must I? <laughs> yeah. I take some. You must. You must. 
But no, I mean, even if it's just walking to your mailbox, get outside. Even in those cold, cold months when the, the, the air is so cold that your snot freezes the second you get outside, get outside, do a little shoveling, get some fresh air in you. And, you know, especially if you're starting to feel that oh, feeling mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, the, the, the world sort of feels like it's, you, you've got to sort of break out of sort of the environment that's kind of making you feel that way and if you're just kind of stuck in your little corner and you get out of it and just yeah put yourself in a different situation and sometimes that that cold snap will be like okay i'm back <laughs> i'm back yeah yeah it's amazing how sometimes just getting out there and getting that fresh air taking a little walk i mean you don't have to go far right. i mean just just taking that little bit of basic exercise can can help not only mentally but physically you know authors are notorious for not having the best um physical health because we it's a sedentary job yeah yeah and unless you make active goals to combat that um then you know it goes in the wrong direction yeah, my son keeps trying to take out the trash for me. I'm like, no, stop it. That is my mental health walk. You leave that trash alone. That is mine. Aww. A talk on writing spooky, gothic, horror, and more. What makes horror horror is when it evokes a feeling of terror in the reader. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't evoke a feeling of terror, it's not horror. Right. But... You have to make that terror grounded. Yeah. And when you have essentially literary jump scares constantly, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily grounding your terror. That's, that's such just a like, good way to put it. You know, just a shock moment. Yes. And then after a bit, you're not really shocked anymore because they keep happening. Right. But if, like, um, Stephen King's Salem's Law is a really good example. You have an author who moves back to a small town to write about a creepy house that there's been, like, ghost stories about for years. And, you know, the most of the book is just, you know, how the author in the book is adapting to small town life and dealing with, you know, people getting in his business when they shouldn't and so, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then the creepy stuff starts happening. And right. it almost wiggles its way in like a plume of smoke. Mm-hmm. And then it starts enveloping the rest of everything. And then you're finally faced with, oh, my God, here's the vampires. What the heck do we do? And then you get, you know, climax upon climax. And then it really hits you over the head. And so I think that's what makes Salem's Lot one of the most well-written vampire stories that have been written to this date. Because there is that creeping in and this evocative of the terror that's grounded in real life. Yeah, and I think Stephen King in general, love him or hate him, nobody's going to argue that he, you know, he it has influenced the market. A last look back at the best clips of 2022. Look, as like we're talking, I literally had this epiphany of, I think one of the reasons why I resist to-do lists so much, like I like having a plan, but I resist the to-do list because there's a certain amount of guilt associated with not checking off everything on the to-do list for me. Sure. So for me, mm-hmm. it's if I write down what I already did, 
it makes me feel good. It gives me that dopamine rush, but I'm not beholden to some list where I'm going to feel guilty. And that's the same thing with writing every day. I have this like immense guilt of like not writing every day when I know that really that doesn't work for me. And in my former job, like my whole job was literally, there was a different thing happening every day. I never had structure. So I think I've just like mm. embraced the chaos, so to speak, of like, what's going to come today? What's going to be the thing? But if I can carve out a couple of days in the week that's mm. just writing or mostly writing, mm-hmm. I do still have a better process. So. You might do yeah. well with like a weekly to-do list. Like these mm-hmm. are the things I'd like to do this yeah. week so that there's some flexibility if you don't get to the thing that day. Like, oh, I still have three days. I don't have to do this thing right now. I know it needs to be done. And if it doesn't get done in that week, it just goes to the next week you just move that task over and right don't get done say there's plenty there's plenty of days when i don't make it through my entire like oh, there's they're not all checked off but, but if I erase my it, goal is to get most of them checked off uh, and, and you know yeah <laughs> and i was i was watching something that was telling and saying that if you continue to move a task for an entire week so for five days Mm-hmm. If you move one task for five days and it's still, you just keep bumping it, then you need to reevaluate how important that task actually yep. is. Mm. Because or we assign if it's it to somebody not, else or, yeah. Right. Or delegate it because yeah. it's, mm-hmm. if it wasn't, if it took, if you, if you put it off for five days, how important actually is it to you to get done? That's yeah. a good point. So, you know, I, I think maybe, like you said, you're feeling guilty like, like, if I don't get everything on that list done, but that's not the, really the point. I mean, the point is not to, you know, to get it all done. The point is just to organize your thoughts and, you know, move through it. Right. Figure out but, what yeah. tasks need to be right. distributed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because you could be like, hey, I can give this to my assistant. Hey, right. I can right. send this to my business right. partner. Hey. Right. That ha- I have been getting better with that. So as my yes. assistant will tell you. It's a, a good way to work. tell you how to delegate. <laughs> Thanks for joining us in celebrating the best of 2022. Next week, we're having a New Year's kickoff party with all of our hosts. We'll see you there and all that's to come in 2023 with Bound by Books. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.